At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Green Zone. Oh my! He is the fattest man in the NFL! This is the Green Zone with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSEN, the sports betting network. We begin hour number seven of the Green Zone presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And we've got some dicey situations, potentially a one-score game for L.A. as the time is ticking under five minutes. They have a fourth and two at about the six. They're going to opt for the field goal. And that, that is obviously uh, to get this to be a one-score game. That kick is up and good. So 27-20 right now. Four and a half minutes to go. Yeah, three timeouts left for the Chargers here. So kind of like no decision here. If you go for it, you're still down 10 even if you don't get it. So 27-20, both teams do have three timeouts. So KC8 going to have to go into that four-minute offense and run some time off. Here. And as an overbacker, I was kind of hoping they would go for it. But now mm-hmm. 47 total points, that's still very much in play here in the final four and a half minutes potentially of regulation. Let's go back out to John Jansen watching the Eagles and the Broncos. Eagles trying to put the finishing touches on what's been a very impressive game so far from the Eagles, but that big play by Darius Slay changed the whole complexion of this second half, John. Uh, what do you make of the Eagles as they try to run nine minutes off the clock here and get this win? Yeah, there's a little bit here of, uh, I think the Broncos are just deflated. Uh, I think that that scoop and score by Darius Slay certainly, obviously put the Broncos in a bad spot, but it was a really deflating play because the Broncos seemed like they were going to get back into this game and now are out of it. It has been all running. Uh, so I, I know they just ran a couple of plays here, but leading up to this goal line for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they had six rushes for 58 yards. It was all running. So uh, it wasn't like anything finesse that the Eagles had to do. Just straight up run behind that good offensive line. A couple of injuries have happened on the offensive line for the Eagles on this drive, though. Uh, but it was an, it's been really simple. Just run the ball right through Denver, and it's working right now. John, why can't this team win at home? Is it the, the quality of competition that they've played, mm. or or what is it? Because rookie head coach, and this is a very young, rebuilding team, but they're getting it done away from the link. They are. I, you know what? I'll even go. This is even more than Nick Sirianni, I think. This was a Doug Peterson thing at the end of his tenure as well. I know they were losing a lot of games in general, but uh, towards the end of his era, that there were not a lot of wins in Lincoln Financial Field. So this is an odd trend that's been going on for a few years now, and it just seems to have taken place also with Nick Sirianni. But it is really hard to put my finger on it because it just it doesn't make any sense, really. All right, so right now it looks like they are embarking on a very good win. Third and goal for the Eagles here. Under eight minutes to go. It's really not even the points. It's just the time right now. Trying to bleed off that clock as they take a timeout here with 7.45 to go. Go back out to Tank Williams. We thought, boy, you're watching Russell Wilson. You're watching Aaron Rodgers. Under normal circumstances, you would expect a lot of points. We have not seen that. In fact, we've seen zero from the visiting team and Tank. Another turnover for the Seahawks. Yeah, Russell Wilson just threw a Hail Mary into the DB meeting room and it was picked off in the end zone. <laughs> we don't understand that throw. I understand that he may be a little frustrated on offense. They haven't gotten the chunk plays that he's accustomed to getting. Yeah, at the same time, it's kind of similar to how we were talking about Patrick Mahomes last week. Sometimes you just have to take what the defense gives you. I mean, 
the the secondary didn't bite on the little nod to the corner route. Tyler Lockett runs the post route. The cornerback has help from the opposite side, so they have him like just kind of cornered in. And it's an easy interception for the DB. That's a throw that Russ just can't make. You have to be able to check it down, live the fight another down, and hopefully try to get in and get a field goal or try to get a touchdown. You're still in this game 10-0, but you throw the interception, give the ball back to Rodgers, you just lessening your chance to have a comeback because it's already been really tough for you on offense, and now you got A.J. Dillon oh. rumbling, stumbling down the field on the sideline, looking like the juggernaut, and I think that's going to put the icing on the cake, even though we have seven minutes left. Uh, very quickly, Tank, because I know – a lot of people, the narrative is going to be, well, Russell Wilson, maybe they've rushed him back here. They shouldn't have played him this week. Should have gone with Geno Smith. In the NFL, if you play, and you know this, I'm sure you played hurt a lot. Are there any excuses? Or do you say, no, he's got a legit a legit excuse this Sunday? Uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's an excuse. I mean, if you're out there playing, do you need to be able to perform or they shouldn't have you out there? I mean, I guess with Russell and that finger, I mean, you can notice that he hasn't been as accurate as he's accustomed to being. So given that, I mean, I feel like the Seattle Seahawks just made the decision that Russ, even with a bad finger, gives them the best opportunity to win. And if that's the case, then you just have to own up to him not playing well and not being able to get the job done against the Green Bay Packers defense that has slowly improved over the past few weeks. I mean, personally, I feel like the way Russ has had command over the ball, especially when trying to throw deep, Geno Smith may have given the – may have given the Seahawks a better opportunity to perform better on offense. But all that being said, I mean, you still can't give up these big plays, you know, coming down the stretch as a Seattle defense. And when you are in the red zone, you can't turn the ball over. So all in all, it's been a bad performance by the Seahawks. And even though it was kind of ugly for the Packers early on, they found a way to kind of grind this out and maybe come to a comfortable win down the stretch. Yeah, you feel like right now, if you're a Packer backer, two, even three points going to put you outside of that backdoor cover scenario for Seattle. So it looks like Green Bay, five minutes and change, and the snow's back at Lambeau. Yeah, for the first time in in this NFL season, we have snow falling in Lambeau. And by the way, 10 nothing Green Bay minus 11.5 minus $1.45 at BetMGM. And a huge development in L.A. where they had a first and 20 Minnesota up by seven. On third and six, they threw a fade to Justin Jefferson, and that kid keeps performing a big first down for Minnesota right now. See if they can end this game in their four-minute offense. It's all but over in Arizona. Let's go back out to Eric Edholm. And, Eric, it looks like here, victory formation time, 34-10 to 10 for Carolina. What do you make of a dominating performance with a two-headed monster quarterback for Carolina? Well, first of all, guys, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't do better for you. I think my afternoon peaked when I said, I'm back, which is, of course, when the game <laughs> peaked as well. Cam Newton uh, scoring his touchdown, announcing his return to the Panthers on the field. You know, there was really no fight in the Cardinals after that point. We have an interesting debate, obviously, in Carolina. But, yeah, Arizona's just going to have to chalk this one up. You know, this is their second loss in three games. You know, without your starting quarterback, you can understand this one. but uh, you know, they have Seattle in seven days, got to turn around on the road, pretty quick turnaround, obviously, in a division game. You can't hang your heads too high, and hopefully they get the core of their offense back. There's going to be Chase Edmonds. He's out for a while. But they're going to have, uh, it looks like, a chance to get Murray and Hopkins back. This may just be one of those games. They were due for a clunker at some point. A lot of people had doubted their their credentials anyway. But uh, a big win for the Panthers, who are 5-5 five and five and 
you know, still very much in the playoff picture, you'd say, with a fascinating quarterback situation all of a sudden. No question about it again at 3-0. and I know you and I were season-long backers of the over 7.5 for Carolina. We felt like geniuses. This thing's not going to be a sweat. Then all of a sudden, you lose four in a row, and you go, oh, no, we're not going to get there. Now five and five, ten games in, they got seven games to just win three more. Robbie Anderson, the Carolina receiver, asking, what's that bear doing? Well, what's that Panther doing is he's winning a ball game and uh, going ahead to five and five Arizona now down to eight and two. So that game is oh, over. It Captain is Stubing. 34 to 10. And uh, we'll see. Uh, Captain Steuben is done conferring with oh. Isaac and Gopher. Boat race alert. Game over at University, what is it? University of Phoenix Stadium. They I rename keep, it like every five track. years. No. Nevertheless, Carolina, thirty-four to ten. This game was long over. All right, thank you very much, Captain. Let's get those. Uh, let's get those my ties ready. And we want to thank Eric Edholm. I'm sure he's already got one on his comfortable couch. Follow him on Twitter as I do at Eric underscore Edholm. Does a great job with Yahoo Sports as an NFL writer there. But it is all over, thirty-four to ten. I mentioned in LA that they threw a fade on third and six to Justin Jefferson, which was a big catch. First down Minnesota, maybe potentially can run out the clock. Brandon Staley challenged Mm -hmm. this as to whether or not the ball came loose. Let's go to Chris Sheehan, who's watching this game closely. Chris, I don't know how this challenge is going to work out, but this is a very pivotal call by the officials. Yeah, I don't really see anything definitive personally that would make me overturn this call here. As you mentioned, it was a third down. Big time catch, less than three minutes to play in L.A. Vikings ahead 27-220. Kirk Cousins, I mean, getting it done here. The Vikings coming into today 2-5 and in one-score games here. Mike Williams, though, big-time drop on a slant mm-hmm. route. you got to turn your hands over, you know, uh, find the seams of the football there. But that drop, so, you know, Chargers unable to really capitalize. Um, now we have Minnesota here looking to close it out. We'll see if they're able to do it. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't know about your over anymore, bro. You need the Chargers to get the ball back and send us to overtime. Well, that's what I was kind of hoping. They'd overturn that call. Mm-hmm. They did not, mm-hmm. to Chris's point here. So 27-20 now. Again, you say, well, why challenge it? You have to waste a timeout. They're going to have to burn a timeout anyway, had that call stood. So it does stand. And right now it's second down. The Chargers still have two timeouts. Yeah. And the benefit of the two-minute warning, there is a flag back in the play. But remember, and more than likely, it's going on Minnesota based on how many penalties they have today. And, and to, you know what? The most impressive, impressive part of that last first down, though, they did have a holding call to have first and 20, uh, and they overcame that. This is a personal foul. It's going to be a 15-yard variety here, so it's going to be first and it's going to be first and 25. Mm-hmm. But the clock does stop here for Minnesota. Let's see what Mike Zimmer does here. Again, he's got the luxury of a seven-point lead, but you'd still hate to give the ball back. We know Mike Zimmer, not exactly a big risk-taker in terms of play calling here. So this is, as you said, going to be that face mask penalty, going to push them way back. Two timeouts still left for the Chargers. By the way, Minnesota, if they're going to put this game away, they're probably going to need two first downs. Okay, so let's see if they can do that. But again, they're going to be up against it here first and 25 after that face mask penalty. Uh, The Eagles right now, Absolutely dominating Denver as they've gotten to 30 points on the board here. So it looks like a three-score game against Denver. Time ticking in the wrong direction for the Broncos. And again, Green Bay right now sitting all over Seattle, pitching a shutout, 10 nothing yeah, right now. third goal from the two. They are at the two-minute warning in Lambeau. Okay, and right now the Chargers will take their second timeout. 
So it's going to be second and long for the Vikings. And again, if they play conservatively, which you would assume they would, Chargers might get the ball back down seven. No timeouts, but they should have the benefit of almost two full minutes. We'll see how that plays out. Don't go anywhere because we're not. It's the Green Zone right here in VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available at VEASAN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VEASAN.com to get the current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and much, much more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at VEASAN.com slash NFL. It is the green zone right here, and we have got a developing situation in Los Angeles where the Vikings had third and 20, threw a pass, Kirk Cousins over the middle to Adam Thielen. They go for it on fourth and two. Now, it looks like they're going to get it. The ball came loose from Dalvin Cook, but I believe if it's not ruled a fumble, the only person that can recover a fumble, if my knowledge is correct, is the fumbler. Now, an offensive lineman for the Vikings did recover the fumble, But if he's down by contact, this game will be over because the Chargers are out of timeouts. And it looks like Mike Zimmer is going to get a huge win on the road. But again, to recap that final drive potentially for Minnesota, they had a first and 20. Chargers couldn't get them off the field. They had a third and 20, and the Chargers could not get them off the field. So we can say all we want about Justin Herbert. and The the defense couldn't stop them in those long situations. And right now it looks like that's going to hold. And the Vikings can take knees, I do believe. Well, they still and have the two-minute warning here. That's it. So I still believe they excuse me, would be inside of 30 seconds potentially yes. for the Chargers to get the football back. Let's go back out to Chris Sheehan watching this game here. Uh, we'll go back to Tank very quickly before we get to Chris. Because, Tank, it looks like it's all but over. 90 seconds to go in Lambeau Field. This has been an afternoon to forget for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I was just kind of recounting like how the early part of the season started. I mean, Seattle was struggling on offense, and it looked pretty much the same. I mean, let's think back to that Tennessee game I covered where they looked okay in the first half, and then their offense was just non-existent. It just became a ghost in the second half, and I mean, their offense was a ghost this entire game, and so I think that's going to be one of the main things that Seattle needs to figure out is what their identity is going to be. The moon ball to Tyler Lockett has just dried up. They haven't been able to run the ball effectively. DK Metcalf was basically almost a no-show in this game as well. The wide receivers were a no-show. So where are they going to generate some offense from um, from Seattle with Arizona coming into town next week? And on the flip side, I mean, you already mentioned it. Tough loss for the Green Bay Packers losing Aaron Jones. I mean, he was such an integral part of that offense. They use him so much in the screen game, and he's so effective and explosive in that in that asset uh, wise for the offense. And so. 
A.J. Dillon has shown that he can be a competent runner in between the tackles and on the outside, but they're going to have to find some more explosiveness in that pass game besides Devontae Adams. That was the void that Aaron Jones filled, and so now they need someone else to step up and take that place. Tank, before we say goodbye for the afternoon here, 17-0, under 90 seconds to go, is this more an indictment on Seattle's offense or glass half full if you're a Packer backer and say, all right, we don't have Aaron Jones for a while, maybe we can rely on this defense. Which of it do you think is the, the bigger reason for today's outcome? I mean, I'll admit I was one of the people talking trash about the Green Bay Packers defense early on because it seemed like they were suspect. They were giving up a lot of big plays, but over the past few weeks, they have shown that they can tighten up and kind of carry this team when A, Jordan Love is in there because Aaron Rodgers has the miss because of COVID, or B, Aaron Rodgers comes back after some time off and the offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, so they need to be able to kind of hold things together until that offense can come back around. So that Packers defense has shown that they can do that. Now it's going to be uh, huge to see what happens to Rashawn Gary because he's been one of those guys that's applied a lot of pressure off that defensive edge. We need to see how serious that injury is going to be. And like I already talked about, seeing how the loss of Aaron Jones is going to impact that offense. But at least right now they have to feel good about how if the offense isn't clicking, that defense can step up. And at the same time, we've already seen over and over again what Aaron Rodgers can do with that offense when he's hot. So hopefully that can continue. They can stay healthy, and then you can look for the Green Bay Packers to make a nice little run here in the back half of the season. Okay, very quickly, Tank. While we were just talking, uh, emotions are boiling over here for DK Metcalf. Ooh. And he, yeah. grabbed, he grabbed a couple face masks here, and it looks like we're going to have a situation that might be adjudicated here, I'm sure, in penalties, but I'm sure the league's also going to look at this. Tank, to your point about wow. Seattle – they're going to fall to three and six. This feels like a frustrated football team right now. Pete Carroll is a Super Bowl champion. We understand that. He's got to get a grip back on this team. Is it as simple as Russell Wilson gets healthy, they're going to be okay? Or when you watch them, you get concerned that maybe they're really sliding down the wrong path? I mean, honestly, it seems like a team that doesn't have an identity, a team that's really frustrated because they're accustomed to being a good team and always fighting for a playoff spot, always fighting for a Super Bowl win. And that isn't this team this year. Like, the offense hasn't been clicking. You see DK grabbing face masks because he's frustrated. He feels like he's a player that should always be involved in the game, that he can always be a difference maker. He wasn't a dif difference maker today. Tyler Lockett wasn't a difference maker today. Russell Wilson wasn't. And at the same time, that defense, even though they played well, they were able to hold the Green Bay offense down, but only for so long. Then they were, they were giving up big plays down the stretch. And so, really, you look at it where the defense isn't as good as they were when they had the Legion of Boom. That offense isn't as good as where you just say, like, let Russ cook. So what are the Seattle Seahawks? Right now, it looks like they're just a bad football team. And until they change those ways, you're going to see a lot of frustration bowling over in plays like you saw with DK Metcalf just there. All right, Seattle about to fall to three and six. Conversely, Green Bay will go to eight and two and be tied with Arizona for the best record in the NFC. Tank, very quickly, let's just uh, spring forward here to Sunday night football, if you will, for a second before we say goodbye with Kansas City coming in uh, in town here in Las Vegas to take on the Raiders tonight. Kansas City laying a small number on the road here, two and a half. It's interesting because you see the Broncos losing. The Chargers are going to lose this game to Minnesota. So it's a battle for first place in the AFC West. We don't talk about the Raiders, right? We talk about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and all the flashy offensive stuff. How do you look at this game? How do you handicap it? Because I think people are assuming the Chiefs might get back in the good foot tonight. I mean, that's what everyone's expecting. But at the same time, I mean, we watched that game last week. The Chiefs won ugly. 
And then the Raiders lost ugly to the Giants. And so when I looked at these teams playing last year, it was Derek Carr throwing for three touchdowns in both of those games. It was Patrick Mahomes doing just enough with that offense to make sure that they come away with the win and one. And then obviously the Raiders won one of those games as well. Travis Kelsey had big games in both of those affairs. And so what I look for for these teams to try to be successful, Kansas City needs to run the ball. I feel like if they put the ball in Darrell Williams' hands about 20 times or so, that'll limit some of the turnovers from Patrick Mahomes. Because, look, Max Crosby has been a beast off mm. the edge. So if they can limit those pressures on uh, Patrick Mahomes, have him throw the ball to Kelsey over the middle, strategically take your shots downfield, I feel like that's the best recipe for that Kansas City offense to get back on track. And when it comes to the Raiders, let's see what their identity is going to be. I mean, you want to run the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. Jacobs has been banged up. I like what Kendrick, uh, Kenyon Drake has shown. So maybe a mix of those two running backs. Get Waller back involved. Hunter Renfro has been a target monster. Let him continue to do that. And let's see if Deshaun uh, Jackson can take the top off that Kansas City defense and then open up some things for Derek Carter, Cook in the middle and up in the uh, run game with those two running backs. And so that's what I'm looking for right here. But I am looking for Kansas City to get back on track on offense and hopefully we get a high scoring game. Okay, let's see if we can get points there again. Uh... Uh, the game that Tank had is not officially over. 37 seconds to go. Uh, Seattle trying to get points here late, to, at least to avoid the shutout. But we want to thank Tank Williams. As always, great contributor here on the Green Zone. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at TankWilliams13. Does a great job with Yahoo Sports as an analyst there. Okay, so it's not over, but it is all but over there. It is officially over in Los Angeles. Let's go back out to Chris Sheehan. And Chris, my over died in the vine because the Chargers couldn't get a stop. First and 20, and then a third and 20, and KC8 burns me by coming up big, and Zim rolls the dice in the fourth and two, and they get the big first down to put a bow on this one. Chris, I'm surprised that the Chargers all of a sudden find themselves in the situation they're in where their offense looks like they're really starting to struggle. I mean, weren't we all praising Brandon Staley a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about running the football and establishing that physicality? They didn't do it today against one of the worst run defenses in football. Austin Eckler only with 11 carries. It was the Vikings defense stepping up today, only 253 yards allowed total, getting the 27-20 to victory here. And Kirk Cousins, six yards short of passing, four 300 yards here, two touchdown passes, no picks. Dalvin Cook, 24 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Minnesota getting the win this week. Chris, great job as always. Want to thank you for joining us again today. Follow him on Twitter at the Big She Show. That is C H E E, host of By the Book. And they got this one done yeah. by the book. Minnesota clinically taking care of. Of the Chargers Yeah, today. Vikings' next opponent will be Green Bay, who's still 22 seconds away from victory. Uh, Adrian Amos thought he was going to get another interception and was uh, banging his hand on the turf in the end zone at Lambeau Field, probably because uh, he had some bonus money on the line there. And also, uh, knees now in Denver, 30-13. to 13. Looks like that's going to be the final score for the All right, Eagles. so Philadelphia is going to go to 4-6 and six there. After they hold on to this one, Denver will fall to 5-5. Five and five. We'll check in with John Jansen after a very short break. Still not done getting close here to some finals and having the afternoon slate complete. Come on back. It's the Green Zone right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network.
The VEASAN midseason football special is here. For only $99, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of the NFL playoffs. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com and the upcoming College Hoops betting guide. This is a great deal. At only $99 for the rest of the football season, sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Alongside West Reynolds, I am Dave Ross. This is the Green Zone. And it is finally over in Denver. A very convincing win today for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go back out to John Jansen for the particulars here. But got to feel good for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to get a, a, an easy win on the road. Denver coming in after that blowout win of the Cowboys. But uh, today, a very different story for the home team. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, the second half performance from Jalen Hurts, certainly he would want to be better than the way he played in the second half. But I think I want to bring a lot of attention to the defense. I thought the Eagles defense looked very good today. Teddy Bridgewater missed on a few throws. And I think overall, uh, he he made a big time business decision on that Darius Slay play. And I think that was a microcosm of just the kind of game that he had. I mean, he just didn't look interested. Uh, he was throwing the ball wildly all over the place. I don't think he looked very good uh, in that game against the Eagles, but no, I, I think the Eagles defense did step it up a bit. They were able to apply some pressure. The linebackers, Davion Taylor, and TJ Edwards, who got inserted into the starting lineup a couple weeks ago, they're playing really well. And Darius Slay, another great game. So it's the defense to me that that's really surprised me. Yeah, it did, it did as, uh, to me as well. I want to thank John for his contributions today here on the Green Zone. Follow him on Twitter, as I do, at jjansen34, host of the line change on Fox Philly, the gambler. So Philadelphia with a much-needed win, they get it today. Yeah, that wasn't a business decision from Bridgewater. That was a business decision. <laughs> it absolutely was. Hey. He wanted no part of that. They, they call him Teddy Covers, not Teddy Tackles, apparently. So, uh, look, Philadelphia, nice win for them. And I feel like the market was kind of telling you. Sometimes the market will tell you what the winner is. And I went and bet Philadelphia early, mainly because the Broncos, without three starters on the offensive line, that doesn't always get priced into the market by the casual better. But a lot of the sharp guys, they're focused on not just the skill position guys, but the offensive line, the defensive line, the secondary, and the Broncos. You could see it at the end of that Dallas game where yeah. they dominated 30-16 to 16 and they were up 30 nothing with like seven minutes left to go last week. Broncos started running out of dudes, and even uh, even Vic Fangio said that a play on Philadelphia, and it turns out it gets their 30-13 to 13 final score. Yeah, so again, I, I look at that game, and you know Vic Fangio goes from being you know walking the plank, potentially getting fired, getting that huge win against Dallas, and then comes back, they lay an egg today. It's hard to gauge where that team is, and again, to Teddy Two Gloves and the business decision or business decision as he made there on that, on that return touchdown by Darius Slay. Look, you see quarterbacks get hurt all the time, and I, I actually think you should coach this Unless it's a you know a tie game or something, like tell them to get away. Like it, it's more important for the quarterback to be able to play because that's where it's green light go for for defensive players to light up that quarterback trying to make a tackle. Mm -hmm. And you do see it a lot where quarterbacks get hurt trying to make tackles in yeah. situations they're not accustomed to. So I understand well, what Bridgewater and, was doing. And, I, and I'm not bagging on no, Teddy no, no, too much no. because look, there's ten other guys like that can make that tackle that's right. too. So uh, you know. I can't say that I blame. I just thought it was funny when you saw the video no and the gif that is making the rounds on the Twitter machine right now. I'm just very funny. And I even tweeted it at the time because I'm watching it. It's like, eh, I don't think I want any part of that. Uh, uh, live to fight another day. Yeah, I can't blame Teddy for that one as the Broncos uh, get beat down pretty easily today. Okay, 
Let's try to take a deep breath here now that all the games here in the afternoon window have come to a conclusion. And we, we look back at what we've witnessed here in Week 10 so far, and obviously it's still a game to go tonight between the Chiefs and the Raiders. I'm, I'm still stunned that we actually had a tie in the National Football League today with the Steelers and the Lions. It doesn't matter for the Lions, right? Mm-hmm. It does matter for the Steelers. That was a team that was on a four-game winning streak. They were 1-3 and three to begin this year, 1-4 straight to get to 5-3. and three. Now they're 5-3-1. and one. We'll find out if that cost them somewhere down the road that you couldn't beat the winless Lions at home, and it took overtime to get to a tie. And also the Buccaneers losing today in Washington, West and the early slate – those are the two big surprises to me. Underdogs continue to do very well in the National Football League. You're like, okay, when is the when is the regression going to come? Not when yet. are we going to get it balanced out? Eight and four today were the underdogs on the point spread. Uh, actually, seven and four. I count the uh, Thursday night game where, of course, the Baltimore Ravens were defeated by the Miami Dolphins. So just looking at this, and if you look, I always say this every week, it's going to be a recurring theme. If you like these underdogs, Go ahead and sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Yep. Now, Philly and, and Denver, it was about even because uh, Philadelphia got the money throughout the week. But you look, the Carolina Panthers at BetMGM close, plus 260. Minnesota Vikings close, plus 150. Detroit Lions ended up being a push, so obviously you get your money back. Washington football team, plus 340 at Ooh. BetMGM. Also, uh, just you know, moving this forward, there were a couple underdogs where they covered but did not get the money line. That would be... Jacksonville and and uh, I believe New Orleans but if you're wanting to bet those underdogs do bet a little piece on the money line that's how you earn money in this business because you know and, and I know some betters out there might be betting like 10 or 20 bucks and they just want bragging rights and have some fun drink some beers with their buddies but it's almost like that old adage if you want to treat it like a business you you, know, you treat it like a business and it's going to pay like a business absolutely and doing little things like that putting a little piece on the money line that's going to earn you some money in the long term. You know, I took some overs today, and uh, if you took the over in the Jets game, which I did, Buffalo scored 45 in the road to help cash that. I did not play uh, the Patriots and Browns. Patriots score 45 points. That game goes over. I did back the over in the other team yeah. to score 40-plus points today, the Dallas Cowboys. Sadly for yours truly, the, the Falcons only scored three. So three teams scored over 40 points and the other two did go to the over, as you would suspect. Yeah. When you get a, 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 one team scoring 43 and you can't cover the number to go over, that kind of shows you where the Falcons were today. Unders were 8-4 and four, uh, if you include that Thursday night game. Obviously, still have two this week. But dogs and unders, uh, usually not, not – they're usually very good for the sports books. By the way, favorites this week were 42%. That is Whoa. now worse with an 8-4 and four mark to the underdogs. Home teams had only been covering at 43%. Overs were 61, 73, and 2 for 46%. Now add more of an underclip to that. And home favorites this year, not really getting it done going into this weekend, 38%, 31, and 51. The amazing thing is, and again, we have Steve Mackinan on uh, each and every Tuesday, excuse me, Wednesday on the Lombardi line. And and Steve basically has been pointing out, if you you watch and read the Point Spread Weekly, you would know this, Mm -hmm. that there really is not much of a home field advantage anymore. It's always like three. Traditionally, it's three points for the home team. And and the odds makers are are obviously adjusting for the fact that right now there's not much of a delineation here between road and home teams, Mm -hmm. which used to be huge in this league. Wes, I don't know if that's the pandemic effect from a year ago carrying over here to 2021. But we're just not seeing what we assume would normally be a built-in 
three-point home field advantage. I do think that there's something to that, Dave, because, look, uh, people got used to playing and not in front of spectators. It's kind of like what you've been seeing a little bit in basketball. Why has the scoring been at least a little bit lower, even though it's starting to even out a little bit, at least in the NBA? We're only not even a week through college basketball, so we don't really have hard data that we can really draw too many conclusions. But you have shooters that were shooting in empty arenas. Right. And an empty of gyms. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you have a different background, and you actually have human beings, living, breathing human <laughs> beings, in the stands and in the seats. So it takes time for it to adjust. And if it takes time for college kids or pros, it's going to take time for college kids to adjust. But, yeah, you really haven't seen home field materialize. Now, as the weather kind of gets more inclement, like on the Midwest and on the East Coast, then I think you get more pronounced home field advantages. But – even the really strong home field advantages, to Steve Mackinnon's point, like in Denver today, Denver's one of the best home field yes. advantages because of altitude. No problem for Philadelphia today. New Orleans is always very good. Seattle is always very good. And then you have the weather home field advantages, the Green Bays, the Chicago's, New England, New York, et cetera. And uh, by the way, and Steve always points out there too, the, the team that really is the true traveling nomad in this league, it is still the Chargers. The home field disadvantage and it played again. Yeah, we remember we saw on Monday night a few, uh, several weeks ago That's earlier right. in the season. That was a Raider crowd. That wasn't a Charger crowd. There's more Raider fans in Los Angeles than there are Charger fans. And you feel bad, right, for the Charger players because they would love to have yeah. a real home field yeah. advantage. But again, it's just because could have stayed in San Diego, but the uh, Spanoses had other ideas. That's where they had a real home field advantage. It is not evident today. So we will talk a little bit more about these games, but when we come back, we will have Dr. Terrell Julian join us. And again, Wes, this is uh, it happens every week in the National Football League. We did see that big injury to Aaron Jones. We'll try to update that situation and discuss with the doctor whether or not Russell Wilson was bought, brought back a little bit too soon uh, today. Again, we're not doctors. That's why we're going to have Dr. Terrell Julian join us and then also get a, a look ahead here to some lines next week already that are out and one that maybe you already have your eye on with the Packers next week against the Vikings. We'll discuss all of that when you come back with us. It is VEASAN right here, the Sports Betting Network. And again, one more game to get to tonight, the Raiders hosting the Chiefs. Chiefs right now, two-and-a-half-point favorites, according to BetMGM. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back after a very short break. It's the Green Zone right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, welcomes you with a lock of the year. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any pro football game, and if the team scores a touchdown, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets regardless of your bet's outcome. Just use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you make your very first bet. Enjoy football like never before with BetMGM special offers all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use the bonus code VEASAN200 to win $200 in free bets if any team simply scores a touchdown. 
Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds as we wrap up another afternoon of the Green Zone Week number 10, it's not in the books yet. Still two more games to go, of course, Sunday night football tonight right here in Las Vegas with the Chiefs in town. But we do have to bring in the good doctor. And look, we love having Dr. Terrell Julian join the program. But when we do, we know we have issues with injuries to discuss. Of course, the doc is the chief of orthopedic surgery at Kaiser Permanente Mid-Atlantic. Dr. Julian, great to have you back on the program. Let's start off a great day for the Washington football team with that big win over Tampa Bay. But really bad news for Chase Young. Do you know the latest? It looked like a knee situation. What'd you make of that injury to Chase? Yep. So Chase, he left the game with a non-contact right knee injury when he was sort of twisting, uh, pivoting, coming around the corner. After a review, uh, after a review of the film, this really looks like an ACL versus a meniscus injury. Either one of these, we're looking at six to nine months. So for Chase Young, looks like this is going to be season-ending. So we'll obviously have to await the MRI tomorrow, as well as an official team report. So this is a really devastating blow for a team that really played great either by week. When you say six to nine months, Doc, does next year potentially come into play for Chase Young? Or do you think if everything goes according to plan, they should be able to count on him for week one next year? He'll likely be ready for week one. He'll probably be ready for the training camp as well. You know, these athletes, they have some of the best docs out there. We'll probably head down to the Andrews Sports Clinic Mm -hmm. down in Alabama, get things taken care of down there, accelerated rehab program, and plus these guys are incredible athletes. So I would expect him ready for week one. Dr. Julian, another knee injury that happened in our late window that was in Green Bay. Aaron Jones did not return to the game. Knee injury. It initially sprained MCL I, I I'm just guessing here in an MRI but what did you see with the Jones injury again his was his was a non-contact in his was actually a contact injury he got twisted down it looked like a player did land on him injuring the outside of his knee so that leads to an MCL injury on the inside of your knee so I I think with him again we're gonna have to await that MRI with these MCL Injuries or possible meniscus injuries, if it's just a minor one, we're looking at probably two to four weeks. So this is really going to cast doubt on his availability for the next two to four weeks. Yeah, and the Packers flying high with that running game, eight and two. It's going to be challenged if Aaron Jones misses significant time. Uh, Dr. Julian, let's talk about Russell Wilson, because I know armchair doctors on Twitter are going to say, oh, my goodness, he came back too soon. We're not doctors, you are, but it did look from our vantage point, like potentially he was rushed back. Uh, what'd you make of his performance today? And is that finger, he, he beat the under, if you will, to come back sooner than we thought. What'd you make of his performance and what could you see from his finger that maybe questions whether or not he should have played today? Yep. So we've had a little time to digest this Russell Wilson injury. So he had two injuries. One was this mallet injury, and that was an injury to the tendon. And to treat that, he had that pin placed across his joint. That allowed the tendon to sort of heal. So that was removed about a week or so ago. He also had a fractured dislocation, which was fixed with a mini screw. So in my opinion, he didn't look like himself today. His spirals weren't tight, and a couple really sailed on really got away from him. We did see a a close-up of his finger. That was taped, and it really looked swollen. 
And how does this affect him? Well, he wasn't able to firmly grip, firmly grab that ball and really control it as he's throwing a spiral. So over the next week or so, he's going to continue to rehab the finger and work on swelling and range of motion. So I expect to see a better performance from him next week. Dr. Julian, very quickly to that end, and I'm sure when you have patients that are not football players, they want to get back to their normal activities uh, in life, whatever they might be. How does the doctor tell the athlete in this situation like a Russell Wilson? Because I'm sure Russell was the first person that said, I want to play. How does that conversation go where you say, you know what, you could be doing more harm than good to yourself and the team by playing a little bit too soon? How do you have a conversation with an elite athlete like a Russell Wilson? Yep, yeah, elite athletes are tough. They're they're warriors. They wanna they wanna beat the spread. They wanna get make the under, just like you said. But you've got to sit them down and treat them like every other patient. So the book answer for any fracture, it's six weeks. Might be five weeks, usually not four weeks like his was. So you really got to have a heart to heart with them, almost a come to Jesus talk, and let them know that you know they're honestly going to be hurting themselves a little bit more, setting their setting themselves back and setting their team back if they really rush back to uh, the field. So All that's right. the kind of that's kind of talk you got to have. You got to have the straight talk sometimes with the client and the patients. And uh, the patient today did not listen. And uh, certainly and, we know he wanted to be out and there. And listen to actual doctors That's right. and not the Twitter doctors, of course. That's always good advice. Uh, Dr. Trell Julian, always appreciate the time and the information chief of orthopedic surgery at Kaiser Permanente Mid-Atlantic. Doc, hopefully we love having you on the show, but when we don't have you on the show, it means we had an injury-free week. But more than likely, we'll see you again next week. All right, fingers crossed, guys. Have a good, have a good one. Thank you, doctor. Always good to have the doctor join us here on the Green Zone. So we do have one more game to get to tonight with the Raiders and the Chiefs, and we talked about this with Soren Petro last hour. It feels like a get-right spot potentially mm-hmm. for the Chiefs because right now they might be as as undervalued if you want to back the Chiefs that you've ever had. Now you're still laying a small number here in the road, but normally we've seen them. They just don't cover ATS. Now it feels like they're giving you a real shot yeah. to just win by three or more to get the cover if you're a Chiefs back. Yeah, I did play money line early in the week at minus a dollar forty. That's basically, I think, kind of in that range where it is now. But you are seeing some threes pop a little bit. Now threes juice to the Raiders side, of course, on that key number. A lot of people teasing the Raiders up or maybe have Raiders on pending teasers up to eight and a half. Can't argue that just from the number standpoint. No. But what you mentioned about Kansas City in terms of having trouble covering games. Go all the way back to last season. They're on a 3-16-1 ATS Whoa. run. Uh, you, you usually don't get ATS runs like that because the market usually is able to adjust on teams, and that's why you see most of the teams in terms of against the number are very close to the middle, very close to like, oh, 9-8 and eight or 8-9 right. with a 17-week schedule, 7-10. and 10. Usually don't see a spread record this bad, but – and plus, if you saw Kansas City the last two weeks, keep in mind, they were both essentially primetime games. Remember the Monday night game against the Giants? Really never could get away from them. They were a 10-point favorite. Giants were in the number the whole way. And then last week was the late afternoon, but it was the national game against Green Bay. They couldn't cover against Jordan Love, mm. who, who obviously struggled last week. And and look, it was 13-0, and Green Bay got a late touchdown in the final few minutes. But Kansas City was nowhere near covering Yet they go ahead and lay a number on the road to the Raiders. And I think that's kind of like telling you something a little bit. I don't want to overread the market or overread the situation, but I think maybe it's good for Kansas City, who has laid two absolute eggs at home as a home favorite to go ahead and go on the road. I, I don't want to call it a get right spot because obviously the Raiders are five and three. Right yeah. now they're still the leaders in the AFC West. Kansas City can take that over with the with the win this evening. But 
we were talking with Soren Petro uh, from the Kansas City Radio earlier and asked him more about the Kansas City mental state, which he said was not good. How was the Raiders' mental state? Because remember, you know, a couple, a few weeks ago, John Gruden relieved of his duties or told to resign, basically. However, the legalese handles as now he (laughs) is uh, suing the National Football League, but he's out of a job nonetheless. What did the Raiders do? They rallied it under Rich Basaccia and not only got that win in Denver, but then came back and got it against Philly. Then you have that bye week, and it's like, is the bye week, is that coming at the worst time? Because it's like, either it allows you to kind of breathe and, you know, collect yourself, kind of what you do after we get done with that first sweat. got to take a little breather. Reassess here, and then, you know, do that, or does it allow you to lose your edge? Because when you're winning, you don't want to stop playing. You want to keep playing. You want to ride it as far as it'll take you. And then, of course, we know what happened, uh, sadly, with the young woman out here losing her life in the uh, car accident caused by Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs no longer a member of the team, and uh, we'll see what the legal ramifications are going to turn out to be. But nevertheless, you have the Raiders dealing with all this stuff, and they got to be like looking at the locker room at each other like, dude, what's next? I know. What what, what more is going to happen to us? And, you know, and eventually you just mentally, it's almost like, I don't want to say cave in, but that's what kind of it feels like a little bit to me. So I do like Kansas City as a small road chalk. You know, it's amazing as we look at the best teams, ATS, because the the Chiefs uh, have been one of the worst teams, ATS. 7-2 Dallas Cowboys, 7-2 Green Bay Packers, both those teams Mm 8-1 against the number. And the reason why I bring that up is it feels like the Chiefs such a public team. We know the Cowboys are and the Packers are as well, but yet exceeding expectations here uh, with those 8-1 ATS numbers. Wow. What another great week we had right here in the Green Zone. But you don't have to go anywhere because Brady Cannon's here. James Cleanus will be with you. They got you covered the rest of the way. Thanks to Wes. Thanks to our whole crew right here at VEASAN. Hope you enjoy the Green Zone, the Sports Betting Network.